The Sweet 16 is set, and for just the second time since the field expanded in 1985, it does not include Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, or North Carolina. What? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome into the Locked on College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoops show out there. We've been with you seven days a week throughout Champ Week and the NCAA Tournament, and we wouldn't be anywhere else. He's Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade. We are your hosts. Coming up today, Gonzaga moves on to their eighth straight Sweet 16. That's ridiculous. We have a four-pack of big East games that took place on Sunday, but the big story is the lack of blue bloods remaining in this Sweet 16. And Andy, I mean, it's just wild. It never ceases to shock me how jarring it is, how quickly we go from 68 to 64 to 16. And you just realize at this point now, you look at this list that's left and it's like, oh, one of these 16 teams will be our national champion. Like, it's not hypothetical. This is it. This is who's left. Crazy. Yeah, it, it happens so fast every year. Every year, it, it feels like we—it's a blink of an eye. And certainly uh, this year, watching as many games as humanly possible, like you start to—you see them a little bit more so. But man, it is crazy how quickly it goes from sixty-four to sixteen. And and I'm I'm very excited about this field that we have remaining. Yeah, it it is a fun field. I know we've lost some of the top teams and the top seeds, but there's very many worthy worthy teams remaining. Uh, that could could and one of whom will <laughs> win this thing. And as we get into Sunday's slate, looking at it on paper, I thought it was going to be inter- infinitely better than Saturday's. Yeah. There was a lot more matchups I was excited about, but uh, it just quite didn't live up in terms of like co- competitive games or excitement. Mm-hmm. There were a couple, though, and we are certainly going to get into it. Let's start, Andy, with Kansas State. Yeah. Knocking off Kentucky 75 to 69. We'll talk about Kansas State here in just a second because, wow, man. But, Andy, for Kentucky, they haven't made the second weekend now since the 2018 19 season. They haven't made a final four since 2014 15. And as we all know, they still just have that one national championship under John. Calipari and and for the bigger blue blood look really quick as I said this is just the second time since the field expanded to 64 teams in 1985 that none of the foursome of Duke Kansas Kentucky or North Carolina made the sweet 16 here's the weird thing though that other time was just two years ago 2021 so that means that this has happened in two of the past three years blue bloods new bloods what's (laughs) going on what's going on with Kentucky specifically yeah, I, I think there's definitely a, a larger conversation to be had that we kind of touched on, I think, in last episode as well, uh, kind of talking about the transfer portal and NIL and some of the ways that that, that is impacting uh, competition levels across the sport. You're not seeing teams just be as dominant uh, as, as they were in the past. You're not seeing uh, the kind of the juggernauts, you know, and you're seeing some fantastic teams. Obviously, we're going to talk about Gonzaga going to eight straight sweet 16s, and, and that's incredible, but they don't have any championships out of that group either. So you're not talking about a dynasty the way that you might be in other ways. And for Kentucky, I know people are going to bag on Calipari here and, you know, and kind of question whether he's the right guy for the job because we've seen all these early exits and like, this is different from the previous years for a lot of reasons. And I want to point out a a tweet that I thought was 
misleading, I think is the politest way that I'm going to phrase this tweet from, from Jeff Goodman um, describing John Calipari's last three years. And he said, 2021, they did not make the NCAA tournament. 2022, they lost in the first round of St. Peter's. Both of those things, objectively true, objectively bad, not really any other way to look at it. And then he said, 2023, lost in the second round to a Kansas State team that was picked to finish last in the Big 12. That does not tell you the story <laughs> accurately about this Kentucky team at all. And I think it's disingenuous to phrase it that way because that makes it sound like they got upset a third year in a row or had some disastrous loss. Could they have won this game? Absolutely. Should they have? I don't know. I think you can make an argument that, yes, they should have won the game just from watching it. They missed some shots down the stretch. Antonio Reeves had a really off night, but they were a six seed and Kansas State was a three seed. I don't care what they were picked before the season. I don't care that they were picked to finish last in the Big 12. Marquette was picked to finish ninth in the Big East, and they got a two seed. Kansas State got a three seed. This is a darn good Wildcats team, Kansas State, I should say. And uh, they earned it. <laughs> and I think, yeah, yeah, I think Kentucky fans have every right to be frustrated about not advancing to the Sweet 16 for a third year in a row. And I understand that. But I, I don't, this loss is, is, should be framed significantly differently than their previous two years. And unfortunately, it's it's not getting that way. And I think it takes away from, from the incredible season that Jerome Tang and Marcus Noel and Keontae Johnson have had uh, for Kansas State. It absolutely does. I mean, it, because, because what you just said that Jeff said is mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. Kansas State right. was picked dead last. Mm -hmm. and, but it would be like me adding on to what you just said and saying, mm -hmm. and you know, Andy, mm -hmm. Kentucky also didn't make the Sweet 16 in mm -hmm. uh, in 2020. So <laughs> what's going on there, right? Like it's it's a very mm -hmm. similar thing because right. what I just said to you is yeah. factually accurate. They did, yeah. not, they did not make the Sweet 16 in 2020. Right. But we didn't have a turn. And it's the same. <laughs> we didn't one. have a Sweet 16. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, like, come on, man. Let's – Let's not bag on K-State because right. let's move yeah. into that. One of the best storylines of this entire season, and it's been fun. I feel like we've been writing this storyline a lot this season mm -hmm. because we've just enjoyed what Jerome Tang yeah. and these guys have done. As Jeff said, truthfully, mm -hmm. <laughs> picked dead last 10th yeah. in the Big 12 preseason. And now onto the Sweet 16, had a great year in the toughest conference yeah. in all of Division One. just Golf clap, yeah. golf clap for the Kansas State Wildcats for what they did. Andy, let's do turn our attention just mm -hmm. for a minute or two here to the game itself because, um, man, Oscar Sheboy yeah. went bonkers in this yeah. game. We've been we've been looking for him to get back to doing that. Twenty five and eighteen um, on eight of thirteen shooting. Case and Wallace had, a, I mean, just one of the best two way players in the mm -hmm. entire nation. A phenomenal defender. Pours in 21 points on nine of 11 shooting, nine rebounds, four assists. Mm -hmm. Although he did have five turnovers, so did yeah. Oscar Sheboy. We'll we'll just <laughs> conveniently skate by that a little bit. But um, really great game for both those guys. But mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, there wasn't much help to be found elsewhere in terms of putting the ball in the basket. Meanwhile, Kansas State. I mean, you you mentioned Marquise Noel's name. Just yeah. talk about this diminutive point guard and what a baller he is. Yeah. 27 points in this one. He had nine assists, uh, seven of 14 shooting, uh, just phenomenal all around performance from him. He's, 
he's small in stature. It's obvious when you watch the games that he's one of the smallest guys you know, out there. One of the, I mean, he looks like one of the smallest power five players out there that's playing regularly. He's not a big guy, but he, he gets to his spots. He hits big shots. He's an incredible distributor, a facilitator. Uh, and through the first two games of the NCAA tournament, he's averaging 22 points and 11 and a half assists. Uh, the only other player to do that into a sweet 16 was John Crotty in 1989 with Virginia, like he he's putting together an, an all-time run. Uh, and, you know, Keontae Johnson has probably been the player who's gotten a little bit more attention because of, you know, the situation at Florida and him collapsing right. on the floor right. and the health issues and, and making a return. And he deserves all of that attention, by the way, an incredible story for him and for that team. But yeah, I, I think this is a really, really fun story. And I think it's kind of an iron sharpens iron situation where being in the Big 12, like you're forced to to get better. You're forced to find high level players and adapt and adjust. And Jerome Tang has done that. And they found the, the right players and they put the pieces together and they built a team that quite honestly, I mean, they have a really, really good chance of, of continuing this run. And, and I mean, quite honestly, they could compete for a national championship. I, I really believe that. Uh, I, I'm not sure that they're a front runner, but but no. they, I mean, any any team with with no disrespect to, to Princeton, just about any team, I think, has a very realistic, if you're in the Sweet 16, you only got to win a couple more games, you know. And, and Kansas State is one of the best teams that's remaining. And I think they have a really good chance of, of making some serious noise and potentially being in a Final Four or even a national championship. Well, Isaac, from a team that was struggling to make the second weekend to a team that has now made it to eight straight Sweet 16 appearances, we're going to talk about the Gonzaga Bulldogs, their win over TCU, what's next for Drew Timmy's squad. But first, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Built Bar. The Built Bar March Madness bracket is here. We know that you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorite. You know that I'm going to be voting for the Churro Bar, and if you want to support your favorite team to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of built not only that but one locked on fan will get a free 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door you have got to try built the best protein bar ever seriously they are so amazing and you will not think that they are healthy for you but what makes them so good well they are high in protein they're low in sugar and they're covered in 100 real chocolate that's right real chocolate so run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Isaac, let's talk some zags. Drew Timmy put this team on his back as he does so often. 28 points. He had some colorful language that he used after <laughs> the game as well. We're recording this just shortly after that game ended. Drew Timmy doing things that Drew Timmy does. If you guys have not read the fantastic article Matt Norlander of CBS wrote about Drew Timmy, one of the things he discussed in that article was that Drew Timmy has a tendency to <clears throat> not filter himself <laughs> or his language. Uh, and after this game, he just didn't really care. He uh, said that the goal of the team was to not uh, screw up is the way that we will say it on the podcast, uh, the Sweet 16 streak. And, and I, yeah, I understand that sentiment for the Zags. Like, this was not a good, as this is not as polished of a roster for Gonzaga as the national championship team with Jalen Suggs, as last year's team with Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhard. And comparing, 
like when, when those are the comparison points that you have to use, like it's important to have a like, further context. <laughs> of, like people say, well, this is the worst Gonzaga team in a couple of years. And it's like, that is objectively true. But part of that is because the last couple of years, Gonzaga has been one of the best teams, if not the best team in the entire country. Like this year's team didn't meet expectations because they started the season ranked number two. It's kind of hard to meet those expectations. I think if we were to talk to fans of the number one team, they would also <laughs> agree with that sentiment. But for Gonzaga, TCU put up a really big fight. Uh, Mark, uh, not Marquise Noel, Mike, Mike Miles, the other guard <laughs> from the Big 12. Uh, he had a phenomenal game here, 24 points for him. But the Zags, it feels like they're inevitable. It feels like they're always going to be here. They're in the Sweet 16. This team's got some issues on the defensive end of the floor. they got to work out. We'll see if they can get some secondary creators uh, to help them in a, in a really exciting matchup that they got against UCLA, Ooh. which is going to take place, by the way, 17 years to the day from that epic Sweet 16 matchup where, uh, unfortunately for Gonzaga fans, uh, they don't like to remember it very much when UCLA made an a incredible comeback, Adam Morrison collapsing onto the floor in tears Doing this this is what i remember yes zags fans uh will will spend the next couple of days reminiscing about jalen suggs in 2021 because that's a bit more fun of a memory <laughs> against ucla but setting up a really really fun matchup between two really really good west coast teams yeah well i mean listen mike miles I've, yeah. <laughs> that dude has had a ridiculous year i i honestly didn't think without eddie lampkin tcu had much of a hope mm -hmm. in this game um, and especially with like, how on earth are you going to stop Drew Timmy? Well, yeah. they didn't, um, but they did enough elsewhere that, I mean, they were up at halftime and I was like, man, <laughs> and Gonzaga's going to have to do some stuff here. The, the lead grew a little bit bigger, but mm -hmm. boy, the Gonzaga just showed, um, that resilience. They yeah. showed their capability that they know how to, there's just that winning culture that continues yeah. to show up. And, and I think there's something to that. Like mm -hmm. how you talked about, this is the worst mm -hmm. uh, Gonzaga team the last three years. I guess that's another one of those Goodman facts you were just referencing. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah it's misleading. <laughs> but it's like, like it, it doesn't matter because comparatively all you got to do is keep winning games yep. against this year's field. They're not competing yep. against the fields of those years. Exactly. And so yeah. at this point, you're one of 16 teams left in the nation. Mm -hmm. Only one of whom has is going to win four more games. Why right. can't it be Gonzaga? Mm -hmm. I'm not so convinced that it mm -hmm. can't be. I mean, mm -hmm. we we looked at it was Julian Strother that carried the load the other day. Yep. Tonight it was Drew Timmy. Tonight it was Rashir Bolton. Like, mm -hmm. I, I I just want to continue to see what this team can do. Malachi Smith hit a massive three off the bench. Hunter Salas had uh, two key free throws down the stretch, if I remember correctly, yeah. like just different people contributing and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the starting five yeah. helping do that for Mark Few's team. And so um, great stuff there. It's been a great season for TCU and mm -hmm. what they've done. Hats off to them as they ride off into the sunset and yeah. we are down to just two big 12 teams. And mm -hmm. so um, speaking of which Andy, let's breeze by, I guess I say speaking of which, and, and it'll make sense why here in a second, uh, <laughs> let's breeze by two of the other sweet uh, round of 32 games from Sunday where an unfortunate, it's unfortunate to me that we're breezing by this game because mm -hmm. I thought Indiana Miami was going to be the yeah. most exciting game of, yeah. of Sunday, but Miami takes care of things 85 69. Mm -hmm. And listen, Trace Jackson Davis, he showed up, had a massive game. Jalen Hutchifino showed up after not really in their first game. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter. You know why? 
because Isaiah Wong showed back mm-hmm. up after having not, because Jordan Miller showed back up after having not in their first game. And I thought what they did was uh, – monumentally more impactful um, for Miami, who just continues to chuck along. Norchad O'Meara seems to be okay, had 26 more minutes, didn't score as much, mm-hmm. but my dude had 17 rebounds, and he is six foot seven yeah. and out there doing that. And so that just that inside-out combination for Jim Laranega's team. Yeah. So we, we continue to move along here, and we go to FAU, FDU, kind of the, probably the most overlooked game mm-hmm. of the day. And – to fairly Dickinson's credit, put yep. up a fight. Yep. Which probably not, you know, a lot of people think, all right, you did that against Purdue. You probably emptied your gas tank and mm-hmm. now you're just going to fall flat. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. They pushed and pushed and pushed, but FAU mm-hmm. made the plays they needed to make, including a 10 0 run to kind of take a big lead and um, uh, like early in the game there. And then um, just were really kind of able to push it out. FAU wins 78 70 going on to the Sweet 16. Andy. Before we move on to talking about the four pack of Big East games, we've got some fun statistical things here as we head into folks. For for those of you that know me, I'm a little bit of a geek in the numbers and all that stuff. So I like to mess around with this. And so we're just going to throw a couple things at you here. We'll bounce it back and forth. Andy, what do you say about that? So one of the things I always like to look at is the seed aggregate. So I just have an Excel sheet where I keep the seed aggregate for each year at each round. So basically what we're looking at is you take all the teams remaining, add up their seed numbers and see how low or high it is. Cause it just indicates that there's been a ton of upsets or yeah. not as many. So this year's sweet 16 aggregate is 78. That's tied for the 12th highest since the field expanded to 64 in 1985. So that's 37 mm-hmm. tournaments in that spam. The lowest Sweet 16 seed aggregates, 49. That's insanely low. That happened both in 2019 and 2009. And the highest we've ever had is 94, which was in 2021, just two years mm-hmm. ago. The average is 71.6. As I Shout said this year, Peters. <laughs> yes, right? Like that certainly helped that yeah. quite a bit. Uh, the average is 71.6. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we are this year at 78. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy, I hate to say you're wrong, but you're wrong. St. Peter's was 2022. Oh, you're right. Yes, you're absolutely right. Sucker. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I failed. You did. You know what? But uh, it's been a weekend, my friend, and both our brains are scrambled. And so um, anyway, so aggregate of 78 this year, 12th Mm -hmm. highest, not, you know, not really going to either bookend, but just always interesting to Mm -hmm. look at. Another thing, Andy, is that, when we look at the bracket in its totality, you see all the possibilities of teams that can make it. But when we get to the sweet 16, it's like, Oh, there's only four teams in each region now. And one of these four teams is going to be in the final four. And I know we, there's always like weird examples of like, one of these teams is going and that's going to be weird. So like, could you give us like an example of that from this season? The South region, the South region is going to be fun, man. We, We got, we got four teams that are left and the four teams, only one of them, has ever been to the final four, and that's Princeton. <laughs> They're the only one. And they went <laughs> in so 1965. Ridiculous. So, like, yes, it wouldn't be their first final four appearance, but if Princeton made the final four this year, I don't think people are going to be 
that's going to be a much larger conversation we're going to be having if, if the Tigers are able to do that. But the other four teams in this region here, you got Alabama, who has never been. Uh, obviously, they are the favorite out of this group right now, but still highly, highly the favorite. Yes. Uh, San Diego State, which would really rewrite some of the conversations that that not only we, but many others have had about the Mountain West, if they were able to make a run there. And then Creighton, the Blue Jays, uh, represent the Big East. We're going to talk more about the Big East later in the show, but uh, they're a team that, that hasn't been to the Final Four either. So one of those four teams is going to the Final Four, and it's probably going to be a team that has never been there before. So that's that's the fun. That's the fun of this. Like, they're, they're, you know, obviously Gonzaga, UCLA, UConn, those are teams that have all done it before. You know, those are the teams that they're, they're probably going to come out there on the, the West region. Uh, Midwest, you know, you got Texas and Miami, uh, you know, more traditional teams that you kind of expect to see in that conversation. Obviously, Houston uh, out there as well, but... Yeah, I'm I'm excited about the South region. I, I you know it's Alabama's the favorite. I know that not that that fact is maybe not going to be something that people are going to be super excited about because they're the number one overall seed and it's kind of expected that they're getting here. But still, if they make it, you know, story. That, that's a nice story for them. It's a nice story for the program, and, and we're going to have a nice story for somebody's program regardless coming out of the South region. And and speaking of some of that conference talk you just mentioned, mm-hmm. it's also always fun to look at the conference affiliations because yep. we have all this conversation all season long about mm-hmm. which which conference is the strongest and blah, blah, blah. Keep in mind, folks, it it a lot, so much of it is matchup based. So oh, yeah. don't don't take what I'm about to say is like, oh, this is the best conference and this isn't the worst. Some of mm-hmm. it's just based on who you play and who's in front of you. But going into the Sweet 16, we have two conferences tied with the most teams left. That's the Big East and the SEC who both have three. We'll talk about all three of those Big East teams here in a mm-hmm. second. The Big 12, which has two. We just talked um, at length about Kansas State, and then obviously Texas is left as well. And then there's a whole host of conferences with one. one team each. And that's the AAC, that's Houston, ACC, that's Miami, we just talked about. Big 10, <laughs> we joked about that I'm yesterday. Though, baby. Of course, Michigan State, January, <laughs> February, is a, um, CUSA has one team left, Florida Atlantic. Ivy, Andy just talked about Princeton. (laughs) Mountain West has one left at San Diego State. Pac-12 has one left, UCLA, and the WCC, Gonzaga. So um, a lot of diversity there Mm -hmm. and uh, pretty cool stuff. You love to see all these different conferences. No chalk either. No No chalk. chalk. Yeah. Yeah. Like So none of the conferences. Talk talk more about that, Andy. Yeah. One, two, three, and five in the Midwest. So pretty close there. Uh, Shout out to Miami for disrupting that (laughs) with their win over Indiana. The West would have gotten there. Uh, and, and it's funny, I think I read somewhere that the, the West region was the one that was most projected to be chalk, uh, myself included. I, I, I'll be honest on my bracket. I had to extremely chalk. Uh, and it would have, if it weren't for the shirtless wonder, Eric Musselman <laughs> and, and the Hogs uh, upsetting Kansas, uh, you know, arguably one of the one of the biggest, certainly uh yeah, one of the biggest upsets. I think obviously the seed numbers are, are not as as rangy as like Princeton over Arizona or whatever. But anytime a one seed gets upset in the second round, you know you're going to be talking about that. And for uh, for Kansas to go down and, and kind of disrupt that when Gonzaga still advanced to the Sweet 16, UCLA is the two seed. They still advanced. UConn uh, didn't have that much trouble with St. Mary's. They advanced. So now you're talking about. Two, three, four, uh, but not quite because of Arkansas. <laughs> so really interesting stuff. We never rarely ever get all those one seeds advancing and certainly not all the top 16 seeds. Andy, four 
count them four Big East teams were in action on Sunday, making up exactly half of the games. How'd they do? Quite well, thank you very much. We're going to unpack it in just a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook now. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drain. Make sure to check out all the lines for this weekend's Sweet 16 games. Plus, Andy, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a same-game parlay, which gives you a bigger payout. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn all about it. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, Andy, we've been saying all year, how good the Big East is, how strong it is. And again, while we said this a second ago, the number of teams remaining in a certain tournament doesn't show a conference's mm. strength or weakness necessarily, but it ain't nothing. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it, It's got to mean something for mm. sure. I mean, and so listen, for, for the Big East, let's, let's not hide the numbers. They had these four games on mm. Sunday, won three of them with mm. Marquette being the lone team to lose. Unfortunately, that's my first Final Four team off right. the board. Your biggest favorite too, you know, the, the, the team that won the tournament. It's yeah. kind of shocking that they're the one that's out to a big Man. 10 team. What do you know? Ugh, come on, shock it. But again, Marquette, <laughs> similar to Kansas state, one of those teams that kind of came out of nowhere yeah. and had a marvelous year compared mm -hmm. with expectations. But again, we do get Xavier moving on to the sweet 16, UConn and Creighton. And so great stuff. Andy, let's start with Xavier, whom mm -hmm. uh, I know I wrote off. I think you did. And mm -hmm. I think most of uh, the national Bas college basketball media probably did mm -hmm. after they lost their big dude. Mm -hmm. What, how have they been able to continue this even without Zach Fremantle? Yeah, no Fremantle really seemed like it was going to be kind of a death blow for, for Sean Miller's team, but they have continued to, to find out. I mean, that Jack Nungy has been fantastic uh, as their low post threat and they, they kind yes, of yes. were primarily utilizing, you know, both of them. And you'd think, okay, losing one of those guys, the other guy's going to need to step up. And it's not that simple, but that really has been a big part of the, the recipe for Xavier. Nungy had 18 points on eight of 12 shooting in this game against Pitt and, and Pitt, you know, play in team 11 seed barely made the tournament you know you can try to try to take away from that but one thing i know we've talked about this before like i don't care who you play if you keep advancing it does not matter to me because you're playing if you're playing a team that upsets somebody else they deserved to be there the fact that xavier wasn't playing iowa state in this game doesn't take away anything for me from the fact that they're in the sweet 16 because they beat the team that beat iowa state it just doesn't matter to me and pitt in particular has a lot of size and for for xavier to still win that game without their starting center uh, colby jones was fantastic almost had a triple double here 10 points 14 boards seven assists for him uh I, I'm I'm still a little out on Xavier long term. Uh, yes. I'm not sure that I think. I mean, long term is relative. They were, we're in the Sweet Sixteen. They're not. They're not. They're not, they're not long term's two weekends at this point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but still, I mean, shout out to Sean Miller's team to to take this program over and and bring them to a Sweet Sixteen is a really nice accomplishment. One of the nice things is that Xavier had six guys in double figures 
on yep. Sunday. I mean, and, and that's how you replace a stud, right? Is, they only played I mean, seven guys too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so all, all six of those in double figures were between mm-hmm. 10 and 18. Nobody had more than 18. And so if mm-hmm. you can keep that balance scoring, you're in good shape. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the one Big East team that did lose, as we already mentioned, that's Marquette. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to live on the Michigan state of it all. Andy, mm-hmm. like big picture, what a story. For yep. them to rebound what happened several weeks ago yep. and get Tom Izzo back mm-hmm. to the Sweet 16 to the second weekend of the tournament with, quite honestly, one of their more unheralded yep. teams in recent memory. And I just, I don't think a lot of people can name players on Michigan State's team. Like, you know, like they don't have a lot of they don't have a Denzel Valentine or they don't have some of those guys that that kind of stand out that you hear about throughout the season. Like we've talked about Michigan State on the show a few times, but like. You know, we haven't kind of litigated a whole lot about this team because they weren't super relevant, quite honestly. They were fine. And it was kind of like, oh, Tom Izzo's team, like, you know, and then we talked about them when when the the unfortunate shooting happened at East Lansing and the kind of response to that uh, from Tom Izzo. And he was very emotional about it. But this is a team that has really elite guard play. And in the game against Marquette and Tyler Kolek, you kind of thought, okay, guard play is going to win out. So Marquette's going to win. And that is not what happened. It was a bad time for Tyler Collect to have a bad game, but that's what happened. He had seven points, five assists, six turnovers. And, and, and Michigan state came in with a game plan. They executed it. They got the really nice game from Tyson Walker. He had a big shot down the stretch. And, and now we're looking at, this is, this is Tom Izzo's third time in the sweet 16 as a seven seed. That is a remarkable stat. That That's means crazy. three times that. he has. I, I I would have to look at the, all three of the instances, but I'm guessing in all three instances he beat a two seed because it's very unusual for it to be a 15 seed. So <laughs> he has advanced to the Sweet 16 by pulling off a five seed upset three times as a seven seed. Really remarkable stuff. The only other stat I wanted to mention on this game, a stat from Ken Pomeroy uh, that he tweeted a while ago before the tournament even started after the seed came out. And he said, Teams that are get a one or a two seed when they were unranked in the preseason have a history of not performing well in March. Hmm. And there's enough data that it seems like it's not coincidental. Now, I don't know necessarily what it means because all those teams are different, obviously. But he said, hey, this is an indication that Purdue and Marquette might not do all that well in the NCAA tournament. Andy, well, guess what? <laughs> here we are. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I, I don't know that that necessarily means all that much, but it was noteworthy to see that tweet five days ago and then realize, oh, we're in a situation where neither Purdue or Marquette are advancing to the Sweet 16. But I, I think still an incredible season from Shaka Smart to to pull off what they did in the regular season after being, you know, picked ninth in the regular season. Uh, really, really nice accomplishment. And and then I think looking, looking forward for the big East, like UConn again, Marquette's the team that lost, but boy, UConn really, really turned on the jets against St. Mary's. That was a game I was really looking forward to, to see on, uh, on, on Sunday. And, it kind of turned into a snooze fest in the second half. And part of that, unfortunately, was an injury for St. Mary's. Uh, Alex Dukas kind of grabbed his back and went down. And, and I haven't seen an update on exactly what it was. It looked to me like it was potentially a back spasm, but he did not return. This was kind of late in the first half. St. Mary's was up early in the game. They were up for most of the first half. And then once UConn kind of made their run in the second half, that was it. And was it. for St. Mary's, uh, they, they struggle with the same thing that everybody struggled with this year, which is how the heck do we stop Adama Sanogo? <laughs> yeah. And I've got an answer, Andy. 
uh, you don't. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, he he had an absolute monster game here uh, in this one. Uh, UConn outscored the Gales by 14 in the second half, win by 15. A uh, really nice performance from UConn. And right now, with with you know they're going to play Arkansas, not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. But you know they were expecting to play Kansas, and now they got themselves a different matchup. And it'll be interesting to see uh, if they can advance past that and then play the the winner of Gonzaga and, and UCLA. Because quite honestly, I, I think UConn has a very good chance of being in the final four, especially uh, after what they did to St. Mary's. It would not shock me in any way. I mean, in the, in the Marquette game, you mentioned it was a really bad time for Tyler Kolek to have a bad game. Same is unfortunately true for St. Mary's with yep. Logan Johnson and Aiden yep. Mahaney going to combine what was it, like seven of 28. Like yep. uh, they, 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 you just had to have, yeah, yeah. You had to have that from those guys. And unfortunately mm-hmm. they didn't get it. The other big East game in action uh, team in action, excuse me, was Creighton against Baylor. And w- we really looked at talking about like Baylor, basically it's Baylor's backcourt versus Creighton's front court. And whew, but it turned out to be not because Ryan Nemhard goes yeah. nuts for Greg McDermott's team. 30 points on eight of 13 shooting, a perfect 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Andy. <laughs> and that's on a like Baylor Shireman mm-hmm. had a, not good game. Yeah, he's right. Here you are. The rest of the starters, all in double digits, led by Nemhard's thirty. Great stuff there. Let me let me pose this to you, Isaac, real quick before we before we call it a day. Out of these okay. three teams, you got a six seed Creighton, you got a four seed UConn, you got a three seed Xavier. We kind of litigated Xavier a little bit, um, but I'm curious. Out of those three teams, hmm. how many of them are going to the Elite Eight? How many of them are going to the Final Four? Who, if you had to pick a team that might win it all out of the Big East, if the Big East is crowning the champion, if they're bringing a trophy home this year, who's it going to be? I, I mean, I feel like I'd have to say. Like even outside the context of the of the tournament, mm-hmm. give me UConn. I yeah. trust them more than Xavier or Creighton right now. Yeah, and I believe also by path. Like mm-hmm. when I do consider it in context, Xavier's got to face Texas and then mm-hmm. either Miami or Houston. Right. I, I don't think Alabama <laughs> and and Creighton. Yeah, I mean Creighton gets Princeton. So I think mm-hmm. I think if it's just Elite Eight, Creighton because mm-hmm. of playing sure. Princeton. But if it's Final Four national champion. Mm-hmm. G- give me UConn. What about yep. you? Yep. UConn as well. Same thing. I think UConn's a good matchup. They have a decent matchup against both Gonzaga or UCLA. Uh, defensively, Gonzaga would struggle to handle Adama Sonogo again. Well, who doesn't? But <laughs> Or Donovan uh, Klingon for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. They would struggle against both of them. And UCLA has, has really good guard play, obviously, but they're missing a huge piece of their defense in Jalen Clark. And I think that that would be enough for, for UConn to pull off a victory there. Yeah. Especially, um, man. Yeah. I'm with you. I think, I think that's right. I think that's the call. Isaac, from 68 to 64 to 16, we're down to it in the Sweet 16. I want to thank all of you so much for listening. Whether you're in our first week listening to Lockdown College Basketball, whether you were with us back in November when the show started, whatever it may be, we are having an absolute blast. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. Go hit that subscribe button. Go like us. Go review on iTunes. Leave us comments. Let us know who you think is going to be in the Elite Eight, which Big East teams are going to be there, whatever it may be. We're going to be here all year long too. We're not gone. April 3rd is not the end of the podcast. We are rolling through five days a week for the rest of the spring and summer transfer portal, all of the coaching carousel, everything coming up. We're going to be here with you all. So definitely hit that subscribe button again. So you're there for all of the updates. Isaac, I can't wait for the next couple of days until we get back to hoops starting on Thursday for a chance to go to the elite eight for now though. Peace. Peace.